Welcome to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study led by Michael Metcalf. Join us live or listen to Outbless Weekly podcast later at outbless.com. Listen as Michael teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in an easy-to-understand format as he is led by the Holy Spirit and brings the Word to life. Listeners learn how God outblessed us all by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay for our sins and how God raised him from the dead three days later. Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior and is actively working in every believer's life to outbless them today. Come and listen to the heart of a servant and be outblessed again. Well, Father God, we come before your mighty throne of grace today once again, Lord, to just ask for you to speak to us, to ask that you forgive us for our sins again, fresh and new. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, fresh and new. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand your word today, God. And I pray that you bless the reading of your word. I pray that you bless your people who are seeking you and thirsty for the word. And so let us drink it in, Lord, and let us let it not just go into our head and become more head knowledge, but let it sink down into our hearts. Help us, God, to absorb it and may it change the way that we think and the, and the way that we decide and the things that we do. And so I pray that your word and your Holy Spirit would have its way with us today. And so we humbly bow and we submit to you today, Lord. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, Lord, now what you want us to know. So thank you, God, in advance that you will. Thank you, thank you, thank you that your word promises that when two or more are gathered, that you are in our very midst. And so we welcome you on this call and in this place. And I pray, Father, that you touch every heart that's listening to the sound of my voice. Thank you, thank you for letting me do this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, my friends, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, I would love for you to turn to uh, the book of Corinthians, and we're going to dig into 2 Corinthians chapter 2 today, and give me just a minute, I want to make sure I've got the right one, because it looks like I may not, so hold on a second, I apologize, let's go. 2 Corinthians 2. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And for some reason, it's not on my computer anymore. Hmm. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the title of this message is to reaffirm your love. We begin reading now in verse 1, but I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? This is the very thing I wrote to you so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice having confidence in you that all my joy would be the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, 
but that you might know the love which I have, especially for you. And so our brother Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and he's saying that he doesn't want to come and make them sorry. And the reason for this, of course, is that Corinth, have you ever heard of the word Corinth or names like that, like Corinthian leather? It was known as a, it was a very big city. It had a big library there. There was lots of, quote, sophistication there. And sophistication is often just another name for sin. And so it was cushy. It was comfortable. There was a lot of sin that was going on. And our brother Paul had to write to that church a couple times and correct them. Because there is not to be anybody that's practicing sin in the church. Now that word sin means to miss the mark and it means to continually miss it, which implies practicing it. It's not referring to an occasional time that you fall and then you ask God to forgive you and then you turn from that sin again. It's talking about doing something that you know you not ought to be doing and continuing to do it anyway. That's the sin of commission. And then there's the sin of omission, which is something God tells you that you're supposed to do and you're not doing it and you know you're not doing it and you're habitually not doing it. So you could either be a habitual sinner committing a sin that you know you're not supposed to do or you could be a a habitual sinner uh, committing the sin of omission, which is not doing something that you're supposed to do. Neither one of those is acceptable. And so I must, you must, we must all bow our head in humility, ask God to forgive us for our sins, and then turn. That's the word repent. It really means to turn around or to go 180 degrees. It means go the opposite direction. Stop going in the direction of sin. We call that the wide road that leads to destruction. And turn Godward, which is a narrow path that leads up yonder into heaven. And so Paul doesn't want to come and be the heavy. And so he had already written a letter about these kinds of things to the church and he asked them to read it out loud. And so he's hoping that they've already done that and they've taken care of that. So it's not some fearful visit because really Paul couldn't wait to come. Paul couldn't wait to spend time. Paul couldn't wait to fellowship with the other believers in Corinth. And so that's what's going on. And he's reaffirming his love for them even knowing that some of them have been blowing it. And I thank God that in this case, Paul is certainly a picture of Christ. He continues to love us in spite of the fact that we blow it. And so he said, but if any has caused sorrow, it says he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you, Sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. And so sometimes a Christian brother or a Christian sister can do something that's going to harm you. And it's not going to make sense. It's not going to be considered the very Christian thing to do, etc. But it happens. And when that does happen, 
It's a test. Are you going to be obedient in all things? Are you willing to forgive somebody that hurt you that is, quote, a Christian or maybe a family member or maybe a close friend? Somebody that you thought cared about you is the idea does something that actually harms you and you're shocked about it. It doesn't seem like it's part of their character. And so God maybe is challenging you or challenging me today not to have unforgiveness in our hearts. And I believe that's important because Jesus said in another verse that if you don't forgive the people who have hurt you, then Jesus will not forgive you either. Ouch, that's pretty serious. And so there's a clue in there about how we deal with this kind of hurt. I just think about the sins that I've committed in my own life. And then I think about how Jesus forgave me. And I find that when I reflect on my own sin and the things that Jesus has forgiven me for, I find it to be much easier for me to forgive somebody else who's now sinning against me or has sinned against me. And so I'm not to harbor in my heart unforgiveness. You're not to harbor in your hearts unforgiveness. And so as I'm speaking to you today, if the Lord is putting a picture of somebody's face on your mind right now or on your heart right now that you have something against, you need to forgive that person. And so take a minute even now and just bow your head as you think about that person's face and say, Lord, please forgive that person for what they did. Whatever that was, maybe they broke fellowship with you. Maybe they broke relationship with you. Maybe they 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 broke their promises to you in some business deal or maybe it they broke their marital vows or I don't know what it is, but people do a lot of very stupid and hurtful things. And to the, to, the, to the maximum amount you possibly can, if God's putting anyone on your hearts right now to forgive, you ought to forgive them right now. Ask God to forgive them. Ask God to bless them. And don't, don't hold that stuff in your heart. It's poison. And it's a trick from the devil because if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it can hinder your prayers. And so let me tell you, if there's, on, there's only one person that wins... When you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's the devil. Because the devil can use this hurt, this harm, to get you to the place where you're not willing to forgive somebody. And as a result, God's not going to forgive you, which means you're not getting into heaven. And God's not going to hear your prayers, which means a lot of people that you pray for and things where you could have interceded or helped out spiritually that then turns into a manifestation in the physical world those prayers will go unanswered. And so unforgiveness in your heart is a, dra- a, a dramatic, tragic issue. It's serious. It's serious business. And we need to deal with that today. If any of you have unforgiveness in your heart towards another, you need to cut that cancer out of your heart and your spirit today. May today be the day that you finally forgive the person who hurt you so that God can forgive you and God can bless you and also so that God could forgive that person and maybe encourage that person to get back on that narrow path that leads up yonder to heaven instead of that wide path that's leading to destruction, which seemingly the overwhelming majority of the earth and and the people that live here on the earth are on that path. They're on the wide road to destruction. 
And that leads directly into the pit of hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's serious and it's eternal. And that's why, my friends, it's important to forgive somebody who's hurt you. Don't let it fester. Don't let it grow. Don't let it callous. Don't let that prevent, uh, prevent you from getting God's best and God's plan in your life. And so if you're feeling unforgiveness, it could be a test. Whether it said in verse eight, whether you're going to be obedient in all things. Maybe you're being obedient in lots of other things, but what about in the category of forgiving people? And so verse 10, but one whom you forgive anything, listen, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And so this is a scheme of Satan. Did you guys catch that? It's a scheme, it's a plot, it's a plan of the devil to get you to have unforgiveness in your heart. That's the truth. That's where it comes from. That's why you feel that. That's why it's so intense. That's why you don't want to give it up. But it's a scheme and it's a plot to rip you off. He's a liar and he's a thief. And he's lying to you and he's trying to rip you off. He's trying to take away the blessings that God wants to pour out in your life. Don't let him do it. Don't fall into this trap. You have to be wise enough to recognize that it's a trap and then avoid the trap. Don't let the trap ensnare you. Don't let the trap entangle you. Don't let the trap harm you. And so verse 12, now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. Verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Go back in your Bibles and under, underline sweet aroma. He makes manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Notice what the knowledge of Jesus does. It creates a sweet aroma. And that's why my wife and I actually filed a trademark for Sweet Aroma, and we have that domain. And Helen is going gonna, is gonna to create a, a Christian place, a restaurant, and a store with that brand. And we're going to make sure that people feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, they hear Christian music, and they observe Christian people who are acting in love towards everyone who comes in, no matter who they are or what they've done. That's the idea behind sweet aroma because a knowledge of him is a knowledge of Jesus, which means a knowledge of him who died on the cross to pay for your sin. And it means a knowledge of him who rose again. And so praise God, we can all be forgiven for whatever we've done. And God got victory over sin and over death. And by faith, you can enter into that. And so it's a sweet aroma, man. It smells good. It feels good. There's nothing but good. But it's based on a knowledge of him. Who is Jesus and what did he do? Why did he come? And what has now been finished for you 
That's the thing that he's talking about. And so in verse 15, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Did you notice that? When it says we are, that's talking to you, my friends. It's talking to you and talking to me. It's talking to every one of you listening to my voice. We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That means people should be able to see it. People should be able to smell it. People should be able to experience it. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing should smell the sweet aroma coming out of you and go, wow, there's something about that person that's drawing me to them. And it's sweet. It's sweet smelling. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's an experience. And if you're a loving, godly person and you're speaking with great humility in the tone of your voice and you're not being judgmental or critical or angry, but you have forgiveness, you have mercy, you have joy, you have uh, knowledge of the truth, you've been set free from your own sins and so you have a grateful heart, you walk around with a spirit of gratitude, then God can use you and people will feel it. They'll sense it when you come into the room. And that's, that's important, to, it says, to those that are being saved to other believers because other believers are like iPhones. Their battery gets low sometimes and they need a recharge. But it's also among those who are perishing. Some of those people don't have any battery left at all. It's a black screen. And the only way they're going to get any juice or any light is if you light it up by telling them about Jesus. And so you got to come in and tell them about Jesus. Tell them the good news. Tell them how to be forgiven. Lead them in the sinner's prayer. Why should you do this? Verse 16, it says, to the one, it's an aroma from death to death to the other, an aroma from life to life. Notice that. This is the difference between life and death. If you're a sweet aroma by sharing the knowledge of him, Jesus Christ, then you can help people live eternally. And those, uh, and those that reject it, then their punishment is worthy because they rejected what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We have to accept it. And we should accept it. And some people who are on their way to dying and hear this good message about Jesus they smell this good aroma that came from a brother or sister in Christ. It could take them from death to life instead of death to death. But every one of us is going to die and every one of us is going to go to a place that is for eternity. That's no joke, my friends. And so where are you going? And what about the people that are in your household? What about the people in your family? What about the people in your extended family? What about your neighbors? What about your coworkers? What about your friends? You need and I need and we need to do everything we possibly can to be a sweet aroma in their lives so that they see the love of Christ and they give their heart to the Lord and they invite Jesus into their heart. And they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they believe in their heart that God rose from the dead and they shall be saved just like you got saved. And so this is incredibly important. And then notice what he says as he closes this chapter. He said, and who is adequate for these things? 
man, I don't feel adequate. I bet some of you don't feel adequate. You don't feel like you have enough training. You don't feel like you have the right words. You don't feel like you've sinned less, enough, maybe. Man, the more, the more spiritual I get or the more uh, knowledgeable of God's word I get, the more I realize how far I fall, I've fallen, how, how short I've, I've become of this mark of perfection that God expects. And so we feel inadequate. We feel unworthy. We feel incapable. But let me tell you something. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Jesus said before he left the earth, he said, greater works than these you shall do because I go to the Father. And he told us in subsequent verses that if he went back to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit who would indwell us and that Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, would come into our hearts and that they would abode with us. That means live with us. That means you're indwelled by God himself. And it is the spirit of God in you that is capable, that is adequate. It is not you or your flesh. It is not me or my flesh. And so for we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak Christ in the sight of God. There are some people who go running around speaking about Jesus or speaking about, quote, religious matters, and they want to glorify their own name. They usually have a building with their name on it or a ministry with their name on it. And they're, they're seeking fame and fortune. And, and they're typically asking you to make big donations and they're making all kinds of crazy promises about people doing that. That's not what this is about. This isn't to be a business. Remember, Jesus drove out the money changers from the temple. He made a whip and he drove them out. He got angry. He tipped over all their tables. God doesn't want church to be a business. God doesn't want religion to be a business. We're not peddling the word of God. That means we're not trying to sell anybody anything. No, in contrast, from sincerity, from God, that means in your heart, in the very center of your heart, your heart of hearts, you're doing this for one reason and one reason only, your sincere love of God and God's word. And you're thankful that he sent Jesus Christ to forgive you and pay for your sin. And then he rose again to prove it that he did. And he went back up yonder to heaven. And now he sent the Holy Spirit down here. And man, the Holy Spirit's in you and working with you and teaching you and encouraging you. And he's your helper, the word of God says. And so now we're to go around and be these lamps, these lights that are on the side of the hill that everyone could see. Everyone should know you're a Christian. And not just by the way you speak, but the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you hug, the way you love, the way you give, the way you volunteer. Every aspect of your life should be a beaming light for Jesus Christ if he's in your heart. And so we speak in Christ in the sight of God. God's watching. God knows our motives. God knows our behavior. And so praise God, there's a promise in scripture that says if you even give a glass of cold water to a child in Jesus' name, you will in no way lose your reward. Wow. 
What a promise. What an awesome God. And so, Father, I thank you that today is a day that you told us to reaffirm our love for one another. Today is the day you told us to forgive one another for the things that each other has done to hurt one another. Whether they're people on this call or whether they're family members or whether they're extended family members or whether they're neighbors or coworkers or other people that we've known in our lifetimes that have hurt us. And some of us have been schlepping along this unforgiveness in our heart and it's really been a train wreck in our life. And so God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the power to forgive every single person that's ever harmed us right now today, Lord, while I'm praying. And if there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice, Lord, that has any unforgiveness in their heart towards anybody that's ever hurt them, I pray, God, that they would lay that at the altar right now and ask you to forgive that person and ask you to forgive us for not forgiving others. And thank you, God, that as you do forgive us and you do make us white as snow and you remove the crimson stain from our robe, that we become godly, sincere, humble people, thankful for being saved, knowing that it's because of what Christ did, not that we deserved it, none of us, but that you redeemed us by the blood of the lamb, the most costly, precious thing that's ever touched the face of the earth. And so Lord, help us to forgive those people who have hurt each other and hurt us and reaffirm our love for all of them And I thank you, God, that you will now send us out like you did Paul, like you did Timothy, like you did some of these other men and women that we've read about. And I thank you, God, just like verse 14 said, we thanks thanks be to you, God, because you always lead us in triumph in Christ so that we can manifest through us that sweet aroma that we talked about today. And so I pray, God, that on whatever phone call I'm on today, whatever meetings I'm in today, wherever I go today, wherever my friends, my fellow brothers and sisters who are on this call go today, I pray that this sweet aroma will follow us into every single place and that Jesus Christ will have his way with us and with everyone we talk to. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for counting us worthy to do this work. And thank you for reminding us what we need to be doing not making a business out of any of this, but just going out and pouring out the love of Jesus Christ to every single person that we meet. Help us to do that with excellence today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Boy, guys, that uh, that one was awesome, Michael. It really Thank you for listening to Outbless Weekly the four-day-a-week Bible study by Michael Metcalf. If this study helped you, please join us again four days a week at outblessed.com. You can listen live or listen later at your convenience. And don't forget to go outbless someone else today by sharing what you have learned. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to study and seek His face.